You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, y'all. Spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley, not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, and St. Augustine. So, if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. podcast that's not your history class with me your host katie charwood history harlot and reader of books and also a person who has to continually argue with people about the fact that i am in fact a historian also yes my voice is going slash gone because uh, i was out in belfast last night and i went met my friend paul and we went to dinner and then we out out for drinks and at one point I am I am reenacting in its entirety the this routine by Frisky and Manish who are this um musical duo comedy musical duo and they have this, this sort of thing called uh Kate Bash which is where they do like a mashup of Kate Nash and Kate Bush and so I'm doing the full performance I'm doing like the whole dance routine it's it's quite a sight to be seen and this is after me singing like just kate bush throughout the streets of belfast which is a completely normal thing to do so yeah uh it or, or we had some very interesting conversations in the dive bar which was very loud so between that uh my voice is kind of dodgy so i know that might not be as fun to listen to unless you're into this sort of thing in which case hi do you like jazz Ooh, sexy. And, um, but yeah, it was a good time. I had a good time. Uh, I had some ridiculously expensive cocktails. But they were so good, and I would absolutely go back again. So I need to make sure I bring fancy clothes with me to Belfast. But yeah, I had a good, I had a good time. I want to thank everybody for their consistent reviews and listening and following and sharing because I was going I don't even know did I mention it last week the Spotify wrapped where it's like this podcast is in the top one percent most 
followed podcasts like on Spotify and it's in the top 5% most shared. I'm being listened to in 85 countries and it's just, it's just, it's, it's fucking amazing. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's ridiculous. I'm so excited and just kind of awed by it all. And OMG, yeah, I got recognised. I was in, I was out to dinner with my mum on Saturday night and I'd gone out and at one point, like, the server, he just stops and just looks at, he's just looking at me and he goes, so you look really familiar, like I've seen you on TV or something. And I turn to my mum and she looks at me and I look at her and I suddenly get kind of nervous and I'm like, um, I have a TikTok and an Instagram. And he goes, that's it. And he walks away and I was like, oh my God, is this not as cool as that being on TV? Like, I've been on the BBC. <laughs> like, don't, I'm, I'm cool, honest. Um, but then my back was really bad because I took a pretty, pretty bad tumble on some black ice coming down a hill. And I fell, hit my back, my hip. And lucky for me, I had a scrunchie in my head. So when I hit my head off the ground, completely cushioned by the scrunchie. Fantastic. So anyway, I go back up to bed because uh, I'm in a lot of pain and I, I'm just exhausted. And he comes back to my mum and he's like, oh no, did I embarrass her? He was like, I follow her and she's really cool on like Instagram. And I'm like, it's really cute because she comes back up and she tells me this whole story. And, and yeah, it was, it was really, really cool. And it's one of my friends said to me, you know, this is one person who recognized you and came up to you. Like how many other people recognize you and don't do or say anything, which is interesting, but also if, if you do recognize me and you like my stuff, like absolutely come speak to me. Like, unless I'm like, telling my kid he's being an arsehole in which case stand back for a minute until I'm done <laughs> not that that's ever happened well in public but you know it's absolutely fine to come up and chat and, and stuff it's it's cool come talk to me I'm I, I, I'm a very awkward person in real life so you might get secondhand embarrassment just by talking to me but it, it's all good in the end and um, I had somebody actually ask me about merch because they were like I was trying to get merch and I realised you don't have any and, and that's for a couple of reasons. The first being, I'm not entirely sure how to do it. And I'm not sure uh, if I have anyone that I could work with or if I could afford like, to pay an artist. Because, like, you know, artists die of exposure, you know what I mean? So I, I want to make sure that I can afford to pay somebody for their work because I would feel like an absolute prick if I was expecting someone to work for free, you know what I mean? I mean, I can do some things myself, which is fine. I could probably do some really basic, like, merch stuff. But I, I really wouldn't know where to start. Because most of my followers, like, I have followers in, the majority are in the US, UK, Ireland, Australia, and then Germany. So, like, it's fine if I was doing stuff for, like, Germany and Ireland. They can kind of fall into the same thing. Australia is another whole thing. And then the US is just whatever. And then the UK is separate from everything else. It's just because, like, tax and, and, and stuff. And there's just so much to it. And then 
I have people telling me that I need to get an agent. And I quite literally googled how to get an agent. Because I don't know how to do that. So I googled that and uh, it, it gave me no help whatsoever. Uh, so if you know an agent who covers social media, digital history, people, that's not even what I am. That is a terrible description. I'm a social scientist whose main expertise is in history. But the point is, like, I, I, I could probably have, I would say better representation. Any representation would be better representation because I currently have zero. But I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, quit your jabber jabber and fact me. In fact, you I will. But first, we've got to get our source on. Our sources are Sex, Sin and Celibacy in Early Christian Ireland by Lisa Vitell, The Sorcery Trial of Alice Kytelar by Sharon Davidson, From Alice Kytelar to Florence Newton, Witchcraft in Medieval Ireland by Mary McAuliffe, A Deed Without a Name, Unearthing the Legacy of Traditional Witchcraft by Morgan Lee, Diagnosing Heresy by Jennifer Barry, The Kytelar Witch by Candice Muncy Poole, and of course we have our old favourites, History.com. So I keep pronouncing it Kytelar, it could be Kytelar, it could be Kytelar, I'm not entirely sure because I, I've only ever read it, I've never heard it pronounced. Also it's a Flemish name and I genuinely don't know how Flemish words are pronounced, so um, apologies to all of the, the Belgians out there who are listening in and are like, oh God, what is what is she saying? This is ridiculous. So Dame Alice is actually the first woman in Ireland to be like, convicted for the crime of witchcraft. And not only that, I think she actually is the first woman in Europe, like as a whole, to be officially convicted you know, as a witch. And it's a very kind of twisted tale where if she had not been convicted of witchcraft, we probably wouldn't know anything about Alice. But anyway, are you sitting comfortably? Good. Then let's begin. Get ready to be shocked, dear listener, because we actually have a year of birth for a woman in the early medieval period. What? What the fuck is this? Alice was born in 1263. Do we know, you know, what month or day? No, but we have a year and that's as good as we're ever going to fucking get, I swear to Christ. To um, Her parents were Flemish merchants. Uh... Basically, in Kilkenny at the time, it was a very mixed space. So there were a lot of different nationalities there because you had like the Normans coming in. And with that, you had sort of... uh, France wasn't really France. It was more like regional based. So you would have like different areas of France and Belgium and Germany and Dutch. You know, they would all kind of be going through this area because it was a very big trade trade area 
and Dame Alice. Her father was a very prominent, very wealthy merchant, and she happened to be their only child. So when he passed away, the only person left to run the business and carry it in his stead was Alice. And apart from that, her early life, we know sweet fuck all about it. Absolutely nothing. So when she is 17, though, Alice gets married. And she marries her first husband, William Outlaw. Yes, that is actually his name. So he is like a banker or whatever the equivalent of a banker would be. He's like really wealthy. He's a merchant. They sort of run in the same circles because they're basically from the same class. You know, uh, he's also a moneylender, which is something that Alice takes on and starts doing herself. So they have at least one child, maybe two together. So they have a son also called William. So there's William Outlaw the second. And they have a daughter called Rose. Maybe. They kind of... There's a possibility that perhaps they had a daughter called Rose. So they're married for five years. And their marriage ends when William passes away. And for the next 17 years... Alice is unwed, unmarried, a widow. Unwed? What the fuck? Clearly, the painkillers are starting to kick in. So, for 17 years, Alice is a single mother to one, maybe two children. And in 1302... When she's in, what age now? Math. Math me. 39. I did math. I added stuff up using a calculator because for some reason I could not do the mental arithmetic of 17 plus 5 plus 17. So she's 39 and Alice gets married a second time. And apparently this is suspicious. Because three years after she marries um, Adam Blund of Calan, 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 um, who is also a widow, heir, a widow heir, because he has children from a previous marriage. So they get married and it's 1305 and her son William, from like her first marriage, he is now the mayor of Kilkenny. So, Adam and Alice have been married for three years. William's now the mayor of Kilkenny. And then, suddenly, Alice and Adam are accused of conspiring and murdering her first husband. Which, I mean, I understand letting the dust settle so that you don't, like, arouse suspicion. But I feel like... Waiting 17 years to then get married just feels like maybe, you know, waiting a little bit too long. Like, that. 
I understand you don't want to be like conspicuous, but that just feels like you're, you know, dragging it out and kicking the arse out of it a wee bit. Don't you think? Like, wouldn't they have gotten together, I don't know, 15 years earlier, 10 even? Like, if they were going to murder one spouse, why not murder the other? Like, it's... Women died in medieval past all the time. The medieval past. In the medieval times all the time. Like, many things could have easily gone wrong. But yeah, it's it's such a strange thing. Like, oh, clearly, this is... This is a thing. So they get accused. And surprisingly enough, um, it doesn't really come for it. It's very strange though because she's been single for all this time. And all this time that she has been single, she's been working with her son. And they have been basically accruing wealth. So she is very wealthy. And she's a moneylender. So people, nobody likes a moneylender. It's not just Shylock and the Merchant of Venice. Like, that has its own xenophobic, sectarian issue. But this is a woman who is independently wealthy and has power, prestige. She's connected to, like, parliaments and noble families. And she is... Basically kind of the same thing with um, Elizabeth Battery, who who was, again, independently wealthy, had power, and didn't really rely on men for shit. Although she did, you know, work with her son to do a lot of stuff. Because probably, I'm going to assume, she cared for his existence. So of course the independently wealthy, not reliant on men... Of course, she's going to be a target. And so her and Adam, they're married for what, how many years? So at some point, between 1305 and 1309, Adam dies. Suddenly, mysteriously, or at the very least, an unusual death. So he dies. That being said... We're not actually told how old he is. All we know is he died. And then... So he dies and Alice is even richer. Because apparently he left her a ton of money in his will. Did he leave stuff to his other kids? Don't know. But he left it to his wife. And so Alice is substantially better off than she was before. Which might have been... Maybe things weren't going well for her in the money business and that's why she remarried. Whom's to say? That's why she waited so long to get married. And then in 1309, which, you know, still a shorter time between second and third husband than there was between first and second, she marries Richard de Val. Don't know if you're noticing a pattern here, but these are not sort of a, a Gaelic names. Like, she's not marrying into, like, the, the Irish the population. She's marrying into the Norman nobility. Because Richard, he's not a poor man. No, absolutely fucking not. He is a wealthy landholder in Tipperary. Like, he owns huge tracts of land. And they're together for, what, seven years? 
because he he passes away in 1316 and he also has like children from a previous marriage so he's also a widower so like she's she's marrying she's a widow who's marrying widowers which is which just seems to make good financial sense i suppose for both of them to have that and he dies apparently suddenly and mysteriously but like there's a bunch of reasons people die in the middle ages it's not that mysterious but perhaps it was so when he passes away Richard's sons like hold back like her her widow's dower like there is money that she's supposed to get as a widow it's just like a, a portion of money you know it's it's to cover her you know living expenses things like that you know and their stepchildren do not give it to her and so she takes legal proceedings against one of her stepsons who was also called Richard so I think he must have been the oldest one so because the dower which is you know like you know when you get a dowry in order to get married you know, the husband would receive a dowry for the wife. When, you know, one partner dies, the widow would receive a dower, which would, you know, be the recompensated, I suppose. So because she takes legal proceedings against Richard Jr., like her stepchildren, Richard's children, Richard the First's children, <laughs> Richard Prime, uh, they, they start getting really suspicious and they get really sort of dickish because they're like we would have had that money had she not demanded it because they very much almost had it but because she was like fuck this for a game of soldiers you give me my money which meant they had considerably less and she had a good chunk more so because of all this already, you know, the people of Kilkenny weren't super excited about Alice's existence at the best time. And what really adds salt to that wound is that Alice gets married for a fourth time the very same year that her previous husband dies. So she is widowed and remarried in 1316. Now, this could be an extra sort of age thing, because remember, at this point, she's 53 years old. So she's 53 years old in the Middle Ages. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a teenager from the 1980s, but they look so fucking old. Like, you know when you watch old TV shows and you're like, why are they trying to convince us this clearly 40-year-old man is a teenager? You look at any yearbook from the 1980s, and they all look like they're in their late 30s, early 40s. It's ridiculous. Like, I don't know if it's the hair. I don't know if it's, like, the fact that none of them are wearing sunscreen throughout their lives. Whatever it is, it just makes them look really fucking old. Like, a 50-year-old person 20 years ago does not look the same age as a 50-year-old person today. Like, we just age better, maybe? I mean, maybe they aged better back in the middle ages but clearly clearly not 
So back to the story, fuck, tangents, is Alice marries John Lepeur. Lepeur? Jean Lepeur. And they are married for eight years. Had to think there for a second because that is also math. So John is also a widower. He also has children from a previous marriage. I'm starting to think that Alice has a very specific type. It always seems to be nobility who have, you know, lost a spouse and have children from their previous marriage. It just seems to be a thing. So they were together for, what, eight years and in the last sort of months of his life, John tells, like, the bishop that he thinks he's being poisoned. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Because he's feeling really sick. So his hair is getting silver patches and is falling out. Now the silver patches, I'm going to say, is probably age, but it is coming on very, very quickly. So he his nails are going funny, he's really ill, and it basically sounds like arsenic poisoning to me, but clearly their dosage isn't correct, but whatever. So they, he dies anyway. And when he dies, the Bishop Richard de la Dread, who I've probably butchered his name, he wants to get, like, Alice just fucking locked up. So he, along with, um, along with many stepchildren from all of these previous things, they want Alice done and gone for. So before John Lepore died, even though he thought he was being poisoned, had still changed his will to benefit Alice and her son, William Outlaw. Yes. So the bishop is fucking pissed because this woman is living her life and doing all the stuff she wants to do. So 
he tries to get her arrested, you know, um, because he's trying to get her arrested on the fact that she's a poisoner. And all these stepchildren are like, she clearly bewitched him to change the will and to benefit her and to give her all his shit. And then after she like magically hoodwinked him, she poisoned him. And the bishop's like, fucking witchcraft. Because this is like a nobility tension issue. Because even though like in mainland Britain, you know, murdering one another is not really cool. Across the rest of the places where, you know, British people were, noble feuds were happening all the fucking time. And the way the secular courts worked was, like, most of the time, anyone who was accused, or any noble who was accused of, like, murdering another noble, for the most part, they got off. I know. This is shocking news. Absolutely shocking news. You are surprised at this information that the rich person got away with literal murder. So in 1324, the bishop is trying hard as fuck to get Alice arrested. And so he starts writing to the Chancellor of Ireland, Roger Outlaw, to, like, make this happen. Unfortunately for the bishop, Roger Outlaw just so happens to be the brother of Alice's first husband and uncle to her son. So he's demanding she be arrested and he's trying to use like inquisition from like defending the faith from 1298 as the reason to like lock her up. Roger is kind of like hmm nah because the bishop is like you know the secular trial, you know, shouldn't happen. It has to be like an ecclesiastical trial. Basically because if she's accused of witchcraft, which is far more taboo and far more like dodgy than just a rich woman who got rid of other rich people, where she would have been acquitted of her crimes, if she's accused of witchcraft, which is like this massive fucking issue in a ridiculously Christian country, then this would give, you know, leave for for him to basically carp launch to do what the fuck he wanted with Alice. So the Chancellor's like, how about this? How about instead of locking her up, you know, why don't we excommunicate her from the church for at least 40 days before the trial? So this automatically delays the proceedings because if she's excommunicated, if she's not, you know, part of the church, she cannot be put on trial by the church. And what this does is this gives Alice just enough time to get the fuck out of Dodge and get to Roger Outlaw. That's what the bishop is pissed. He's mad as fuck. Because he starts accusing, like, Richard of harbouring heretics. And it becomes this massive fucking thing. Roger is, like, investigated by this commission. And they, again, you're going to be shocked at this information. They clear him of any wrongdoing. 
So whatever happened, I think Alice must have just like sidestepped out the way. And Alice and her son, William, they are officially charged with the crimes of heresy. Now, accusing very rich, very noble, very well-connected people of being heretics might not be the smartest move for somebody. So, while he does this, William contacts Sir Arnold Lepur, who may or may not be connected to his last stepfather, I'm not sure, but he's a senior official in Dublin who gets the bishop fucking thrown in prison in Kilkenny Castle. And by prison, it's probably a fucking dungeon, you know what I mean? So, but he's a bishop, right? So, you cannot keep the bishop locked up forever. So eventually, the bishop gets out and... Because, well, what he does is, this is actually really, I mean, it's smart. Because he is the bishop, he's in charge of the diocese. Like, he refuses, he blocks all sort of religious proceedings. So, there's no mass, there's no marriages, there's no, like, funeral rites. Like, none of this can happen because the bishop is locked up. Because he bans it all. So, eventually, they have to fucking leave him and let him out. And once the bishop is free, he is like a bear with a burnt arse. He is fucking pissed and he is gunning for Alice. And so he is ready to get her charged. He wants to get her just locked up. He is he is focused on this task. And so he accuses Alice and like a bunch of accomplices and he investigates them for literal months. And they're accused of like a bunch of fucking charges um there's like seven like official ecclesiastical like charges on all um one is denying the power of christ and the church um and because like effectively not being like super christian was akin to worshiping the devil like if you weren't super christian you were totally like a fucking devil worshipper. There was no in between. Like, yay or nay. The second thing they were accused of was sacrificing animals to these very specific demons. Artis, Phileas and Robin Artisan. Like, very specific demons. I mean, that's where that came from. I have no idea. So... The third thing she's accused of is asking demons for advice on witchcraft. There's also, number four, having sexual relationship with the incubus Robert Addison, who often took the forms of, like, animals or an Ethiopian, or Abyssinian, I suppose they would have been at the time, um... Which, okay, we're gonna we're gonna circle back to that one. I think okay. Number five, holding coven meetings and burning candles in the church at night without permission. You can, 
You know, I can excuse the witchcraft, but I cannot accept you burning candles at night without permission. Fuck me sideways. So, apparently this coven had, like, Robert of Bristol, Petronilla de Meath, um, Meath's daughter Sarah, uh, Anita Lange, Eva de Brownstone, William Payne de Boley, Alice Favor, John Sissick, Ellen Sissick, Galrison. Like, it was a big smorgasbord of people. Number six. Making dark magic-based ointments, powders, or potions. Including the (laughs) horrific ingredients such as the body parts of unbaptized children, worms, and chicken innards. And all these potions were used to corrupt her husbands. And um, the last thing is obviously bewitching and killing her husbands to take the money for herself and her only biological son. So we're going to circle back to number four, which is the sexual relationship. So here's something that made them accuse Alice of witchcraft. One may have been fucking someone who is not white, which I don't know about you, seems just a tad racist to me. No? Actually, considering the black person they're accusing of, of, of her fucking is just the embodiment of an actual fucking demon. Or a, not like a fucking demon, but like a demon who does also fuck. I mean, it, it's a whole thing. But the best part of this is that when they were like looking through her stuff and going into her room, they found this item in her like bedside area that was they said was kind of looked like a pipe, but wasn't a pipe and was anointed with oil. So they assumed that this mysterious phallic shaped device or item was some kind of like totem for for like witchcraft and sorcery. When if you look at all the evidence for it all uh all evidence points to it's a dildo. I've spoken about this before and I'm sure it will not be the last time, but there are dildos that currently exist that we know predate the written word. Like, they have been around for quite literally thousands of years. But Alice had a dildo in her nightstand and instead of like logic like whenever you mention to anyone about these dildos ever like the amount of people that go oh well maybe it was a tool for this maybe it was a tool for that and i'm like mate that is a cock <laughs> like that is a penis like that is the shape of it that is that is a fucking dildo like get over it like stop trying to excuse it with like if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck and looks physically like a duck it's a motherfucking duck. Like, it's quacking in your face. Get over it. Stop saying it's a goose. But yeah, it, it's this whole thing that one of the reasons she gets accused of witchcraft is because of sexual deviance. Which is a dildo. <laughs> 
So the bishop is trying to get like all of these people to confess and Alice is just not having it. She's not saying shit. So for months, she doesn't confess. William doesn't confess. He does, however, apologise for, you know, getting the bishop arrested. And because he comes out and apologises and does this, he kind of gets like a really lenient sentence. Like, it's it's very lenient compared to what everyone else gets. So, after like this stalemate that's going on for like months, because the, I think the bishop is just mainly dealing with pride at this point, but he manages to get his hands on Petronilla de Meath, who is Alice's servant, maid. Petronilla is tortured, like actually tortured. And, you know, they use the term flogging as if that's, well, we got her to talk by flogging. Yeah, you whipped her and caused her unsurmountable pain until she confessed to a crime she didn't commit. Because so like she's confessing to this this witchcraft and sorcery and that there are these like demons around and they would collect herbs and collected bugs and boiled brains and mixed the potions and poisons and did offerings to these three demons and it was like this but she was like tortured for quite a long period of time and surprisingly enough like mm. so Petronella is flogged and is then uh, burnt at the stake on the 3rd of November 1324 because you know she's charged of witchcraft because like she confessed ergo she was involved so she actually be ends up being I think the first person like like murdered because she was accused of witchcraft in Ireland like officially like sentenced to death because of it and Alice Alice takes Petronella's daughter at some point during this ordeal like she takes her daughter and she fucks off to England because the woman has money, she has means and I don't know whether she was taking the, you know, this girl to protect her or so that she had a servant whom's to say so she fucks off and William he's like accused of like heresy he's accused of perjury for lying on the stand he's accused of adultery because apparently he's also fucking demons and he gets accused of all this stuff but like most courts in the country just like absolutely refuse to try this very wealthy man like this well-connected man and William he gets like convicted he gets excommunicated and he even gets like imprisoned for a wee bit but he's like whoops I'm very sorry please forgive me and the bishop's like okay cool and he actually manages to get like recommunicated because he goes to visit the holy land he's like look I did a thing it's great so Alice is fucked off and there's like no more records of her existing which she could have easily gone there 
to like England and just given a different name would any would anyone know absolutely fucking not they wouldn't have known but yeah that is that is the story of um Alice Kay Taylor the first woman first woman to be accused of witchcraft like officially in Ireland and or Europe so ends our story of Alice Kay Taylor if you liked this story or liked my retelling of it and didn't mind that I butchered so many fucking names and that I've probably missed out a chunk of stuff and gone on a tangent because I am losing my voice and my brain and will to exist. If you liked this story, rate and review five stars. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you do your podcasts, you rate me and you rate me well because I appreciate it. Now it's bumped me up the charts and I'm just feeling crappy so it would really help. If you want to... um support the podcast uh we have a tip jar on we i i'm the only one here i have a tip jar um it's just paypal.com you can go on the beacons link which is either on the instagram or the tiktok i don't know if you feel like sending things uh there's an amazon wish left wish left wish list god it's been a long day so that's there um, you can also follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram, I'm on TikTok, I'm on Twitter. Um, you'll either find me by like who did what now PD or who did what now pod, depending on how many characters they let me use. So, recommendation time. I am gonna recommend White Lotus to watch White Lotus on and get season two, it's on there on Netflix. Just watch it. It's great. The book I'm going to recommend is China Rich Girlfriend. I just started reading it. It's the, it was one of the first times in a long time I've read a book just for pleasure and not for like research. And I just, I loved Crazy Rich Asians and China Rich Girlfriend is just as good. Also, it helps that I did manage to get a copy of the book, like, because the cover was damaged a bit. So I got it for like three quid instead of however much it's supposed to cost I'll take the damaged cover I don't give a fuck and for listening you know what I want everybody to go listen to the Grease 2 soundtrack because most of it is dodgy as hell like some of the songs are absolutely amazing I mean do it for our country you don't have to be patriotic to love that man singing to you like I feel like that man was very responsible for a lot of like girls sexual awakening and it's even funnier because like like when you consider that a gay man is responsible for the sexual awakening of so many women like it's just it's just funny but yet no oh that is just and he's doing the walking towards her and he's singing oh oh i love him ah oh. but yes Go listen to that. Um, if there's ever a movie they should remake, I think they should remake Grease 2, but get like some more writers involved and some more musicians involved and just like redo it. Just like rewrite it. Like keep some of the songs. There's I think there's like half the songs you can keep and the rest you can just fuck off because they're no good. But anyway, 
that is me done ranting. Thank you for listening. Thank you for putting up with my voice. And there's probably like points in this where it's just gone really quiet. And that's where I've paused to have a coughing fit and then re-record. So sorry about that. Sorry about my voice. And hopefully normal services will resume next week. Will be a bit more fun, a bit more uplifting. And if you've got anything like recommendations or stuff that you really think would be interesting for me, like chat about or whatever, just like tweet me or DM me or whatever. It's like I'm I'm. You can email me too. My emails are always open. Um, if you send me death threats, though, that's just not cool. I'm not into that. But anyway. With that, I shall bid you all good night, adios, au revoir, avoid my friends, bye bye.